Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN, which is CIO Talk Network. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is 2016 CIO Agenda. And our guests for today's show are Kevin Burns, who is the Chief Information Officer for City of Miami. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hi. Good afternoon, Sanjog. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm well. Our Thank weather you so here is, is Chamber of Commerce weather. Ah, okay, that's beautiful. And then we also have Walter Weir, who's the CIO with University of Nebraska. Hey, Walter, how is life? Good. How you doing, Sanjog? Very good. Uh, let's see, we're not Miami weather here, but we're getting close to 40. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this is the time of the year when we definitely want to look ahead as well as backwards to see what is going to come up in 2016 and what is it, how are you basing that on what you've learned in 2015? Towards tail end of the day, a couple of days to New Year's. So that said, uh, the, the question that I would like to pose first to you, Walter, is when we are looking at what happened in 2015, uh, quite a few uh, disruptions. We saw, of course, other disruptive technologies were always there. You talk about mobility, big data, cloud, and now Internet of Things is coming out. I'm not sure if that's actually uh, relevant to the educational, uh, like the higher ed, but then otherwise we see it is going to have a lot of impact across the board and all of these different technologies. So, So what have we learned? from the 2015 journey and what are we going to do new and different what resolutions what initiatives that we're going to kick off is what we would like to get um some input on from you so walter what how, how has your journey been well it's been exciting it's also been very busy uh, we've had a very a good year last year at the university uh, we have a new president who just started in april and uh, he is a uh, a real go-getter. We're very happy he's there. And he's looking at the transformational changes we need to make in the area of technology. And specifically, we have four campuses, although I support seven. I also support the three state colleges at the university. And we're trying to find ways to operate in a more common fashion, if you will, from an administrative computing perspective. Uh, we do have two major ERPs. We're trying to maximize the use of those, uh, do more in concert with each other, more uniformity, if you will, across the the business uh, landscape. And we'll be looking at a lot of uh, process reengineering as we go forward into the next year. Now, Kevin, in your world, which is, of course, uh, dealing with government and, and the changes that we see across the country as well as in your uh, city and our state, I'm sure there's a lot that may have happened. What, what, what's your hindsight 2020? Uh, well, again, we too were uh, extremely busy this past year. And one, you know, one of the things that we've been very constrained with is resources, personnel over the last four or five years. So we've put a, had a huge concentrated effort in, in bringing more personnel on board um, and also, you know, we've been tasked to always perform at a higher level and, and put more um, applications out for our business units, even though we've been constrained with those uh, resources. So primarily, we've been focus- focusing a lot on eliminating some of the silo systems architecture that we've had in place over years as we've transformed off our mainframes. And we're looking at, um, you know, more enterprise systems that we can um, take more advantage of uh, where we do have those niche systems that we really can't get rid of yet. We're looking at methods of integrating those systems into the enterprise solutions. Um, Transparency has been a huge uh, effort that we've uh, put forth in putting much of our data uh, making it available to the public so they can look at it and chase it, you know, sl- slice it and dice it and and do what they want with it and come back and ask our administrators and our city officials questions about that data. 
mobility has also been, you know, a huge uh, push this past year and will be in the future. Uh, GIS, uh, more and more of our business units are learning and finding out how effective uh, GIS solutions can be for them. So that's another area where we're pushing heavily. Crowdsourcing, business intelligence, metrics, those are all areas that we've really been concentrating on in the the past year and will continue to do so uh, next year. So, Walters, while we have a number of things which we can call as same old, same old, and we try to incrementally uh, improve them, and that, that's part of the job anyways, what, what, what's exciting? What's new and exciting that you're looking forward to? Well, we've, like I said, we've embarked on a, a, a new way of doing business at the university and being much more uh, collaborative uh, in the way we work together. The president has asked the question of me. He says, well, why do we do uh, the same thing on four campuses four different ways? We need to uh, eliminate that kind of thinking and move into a more singular approach to a lot of these issues, not only from a reducing of the complexity issue, but by reducing the complexity, we also reduce the cost and we can provide more services. We're very much interested in looking at things. You know, we're in a very competitive market in higher education, and the number of graduating students from high school is decreasing as we look at the overall uh, uh, statistics. And so we have to be competitive. We have to be out there thinking uh, as far in advance as we can. And so we're very much involved with analytics, uh, real-time analytics, uh, tying analytics in with social media, uh, and an effort to help retention, number one. We want our students to graduate, more of them, on a four-year basis than before. We want to identify students who might be running into problems and getting them help as soon as we can. We also want to do things with regards to enrollment management and recruiting, and so we're doing an awful lot of work in the CRM space as a vehicle to make sure we've got the right people in the right programs with the right assistance. Uh, so those are some of the exciting things we've been working on and will continue to work on uh, in the upcoming year. And if I may, just one other thing that really supersedes almost everything we do, and that's security. Uh, security has become an absolute uh, essential fact of what I do every day. Uh, we've looked at, we've created a university-wide security council. I'm looking at building a security operations center tied in with research and tied in with actual degree programs so that we can produce kids who understand security and can work with us to prevent a lot of the uh, nefarious things that are happening out there. So coming to the digital transformation, that's a big thing many organizations are looking at. So Kevin, even though you may be a city and yes, you have to work with the citizens and government uh, at the other end, I'm sure you're also seeing some uh, like a wave which could include other components plus the Internet of Things as a a city would would be wanting to embrace and and create a better um, uh, scalable um, what you can say, infrastructure which can accommodate more and more people, then secondly, other benefits that it can bring about to the citizens. So if you were to kind of quote-unquote digital uh, city, what, what what is happening in that on that front in, uh, in your domain? Um, that's, that's a great question, and, and yes, you are correct. We are becoming uh, and pushing to become more... Uh, digital and take on that digital transformation. Um, I was very fortunate this past year, uh, well, actually in September, so this past year, to have been selected as one of four delegates from the U.S. to attend the first International Smart Cities Conference in Inchuan, China. That was in September. Uh, And there were about 200 delegates from sea level uh, um, from around the globe. So um, from that, um, you know, we looked at, yeah, many things that are Internet of Things and and all of the um, the capabilities that that not only provides, but also the challenges to us of how we are exponentially growing in the amount of data that we're capturing and also, um, you know, the, the amount of capabilities that we're providing. Um, one of the things that I looked at there... Um, you know, they have smart trash cans now that are solar-powered, and they have 
uh, motion sensor. So when you come up and walk up to it, it will open the, the door for you to allow you to put your, either your trash or your recycle in. And then they have scales inside, so they know how much weight they have in them, and they're, ge- they're geocoded so that the solid waste department um, knows where each and every one of them are, and it sends them a signal when they're, you know, uh, 90% full or at some level of being full. So the solid waste department is using that data, tracking it on a map, and making smart pickups instead of you know the traditional trash route for a for a trash truck they go door to door now they're making smart pickups so they're saving on fuel and energy and you know wear and tear on the trucks and wear and tear on the arms of the trucks we're also looking at um you know all of the sensors that um, our vehicles have in them, uh, if it's a fire truck or if it's a solid waste truck or a dump truck in our public works department. So we're putting sensors and using those sensors to start tracking more and more metrics and data on those vehicles uh, so that we can put in better preventive measurements and uh, maintenance programs and we can, you know, recycle those, uh, those apparatus or those those trucks um, before they become such a mechanical headache that we can't afford to keep them on the street anymore. Uh, so those are some of the things that that we're you know actually doing. We have huge initiatives in the security area as well. Um, as you can imagine, Miami is a gateway to you know South America, Central America, um, and we have um, Florida was just announced this morning. I saw that it. Um, grew to over 20 million uh, residents this past year. It was the largest state to gain new residents in 2015, and we're the third most populated state uh, in the union now. So, you know, all of those items we have to look at, uh, traffic, traffic patterns, traffic lights, street lights, you know, having smart street lights so that we can uh, turn them on and turn them off via motion and save energy. Uh, because the more and more people and in such a small space that we have, we get you know extremely um, concentrated and and heavy traffic patterns. Now, you, what you just mentioned, Kevin, of course, you know these are newer technologies which will help you um, implement certain changes, which are cool. And also, it increases some of the capabilities or the capacity for a city to handle more. Now, just by deploying that, that's an that's an end benefit they're getting. Does that really add more to your plate? <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Um, you know, the data that's collected and and storage of that data is growing exponentially. So we have to uh, we have to plan. You know, from from a pure IT standpoint, all of the infrastructure that supports and houses, you know, all of these new sensors and all of this new data. And we have to deploy or provide solutions um, for the end user, the business unit, that is using that data and the metrics to make smart decisions uh, for their business unit moving forward. So, Walter, when we are looking at different initiatives, and you actually outline in your response a number of initiatives that you're going to go and work on, what what type of demands has that placed, and what do you plan to do in order to meet them? Because, of course, the president of the company can come and give you a directive, but does the money follow and, and support and sponsorship follow? Uh, that's one of those, it depends. Uh, I want to go back to... <laughs> I want to go back to Kevin. Now, Kevin was talking about uh, his, his tremendous challenge that he has down there in that large city. We do something similar when you talk about digital transformation. Uh, our president office often talks about the fact that there's about 7.8 billion people in the uh, world today, and within the next 30 years, it's going to get up around 9.4 billion. And the question becomes, how do you feed them? How do you provide them with fresh water? And so we've done some work similar, a little bit different scale than what uh, Kevin's doing, but we do RFID tags, and we look at all the factors of production, everything from the proper growing of uh, staples, whether it's uh, 
crops, feeding of animals, animal management, and then tracking all of those factors of production from the ground all the way to where the product is consumed and looking at how we can improve uh, that whole delivery system so we can keep up with the demand for food and fresh water across the entire globe. Uh, We have a number of initiatives, one of which I think is important, is called Water for Food, and it's an institute we have. We've been working with people in India, people in South America, uh, literally all over the country, in trying to figure out what are we going to do and, and how can we use technology to help us address some of these issues that are really, I think, going to be very key as we look at the future of our world uh, in the next uh, several years. <clears throat> also, with all of this, and it gets back to who are the people that can maintain and take care of all of this. So it's not only the researchers, but as Kevin pointed out, you've got to have a very good network infrastructure. You've got to have storage media You have to be judicious in how you manage all of that, making sure you're providing the right capabilities to the right researchers, to the right people. And and it's a tremendous challenge, and uh, money is not always there. And so you have to be uh, very inventive in what you do. You have to be very collaborative in what you do. And we have to think of technology in a very transformational way because the old way of doing business is not how we're going to do business in the future. And it's going to bring in cloud providers. It's going to bring in stuff that we do on-premise, and then it's all wrapped around security uh, to make sure that the information is correct and viable. So, Kevin, uh, we will take a quick break, but when we come back, Kevin, I'd like to ask you this, where the leaders can, of course, wear the hat of a visionary so that they find out ways what's ahead and then help navigate the organization. And the other is an execution champion who not only just paints a picture but makes it happen in spite of all the different you know, challenges, whether budget or timelines, etc. What would be the priority? What what hat would the CIO suppose? What what is the hat that the CIO should wear in order to be successful in 2016? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Kevin, if you were to become uh, successful as a CIO in your role, would you rather be a visionary, someone who will say, this is what's going to be ahead, two, three, four years ahead, and then this is how we will develop a roadmap and focus on that? Or would you not exactly demote yourself, but start focusing more on the execution of what you have? Because your plate is already full. Do you have even the appetite to envision anything more in 2016? That's a that's a great question, and I almost think that I have to take that hat, and I have to cut it in half, and then sew <laughs> each half together, because I think as a CIO, you have to be a visionary, um, you have to look forward and you know into the future to to try to determine the strategies uh, that you're going to play, and how you're going to be a strategic partner with your business units because. They're moving at the speed of light. We're moving at the speed of light. And we're not always moving in the same direction at that speed. So we need to try to be that visionary to try to uh, bring both the business units and us into at least uh, going into the same quadrant, let's say. But also, there are times where you really have to roll up your sleeves and, um, you know, become that person that is leading the charge and uh, takes on that role for your team because there are 
um, you know, certain projects or, or certain initiatives that may be going on that um, maybe you're more of the expert. You know, I mean, I've got uh, 14 years here at the city of Miami, and, and I've held every role in the IT department. Um, so I've done, you know, each and every function that anybody on my team has done. And sometimes they look to me for, you know, specific technical uh, insights or, um, you know, or information or, or just uh, want to talk things out to see if they're going in the right direction. So I, I think it's really hard to say you can be one or the other, but um, there are certain times where you have to be one, and then I think there's certain times you have to be, you know, um, that secondary person who is actually rolling up their sleeves and, and helping to get things done. Uh, but certainly in the big picture, you've got to try to balance both roles as best you can. So uh, I agree with I agree with Kevin on his uh, cut the hat in half, and I, I do think that we play a role in both areas, both visionary and in the execution part. Um, it's it's a little bit easier to be a visionary. It's a little bit more difficult to be the person who makes sure the the work gets done and it gets done properly. And for us at the university, we do spend a lot of time in the area of project management, portfolio management, and and, and managing our resources as best we can. But uh, I think it's a two-hat issue. And, you know, if I may step in and, and, and kind of add on to that, too. You know, as that visionary and the operational person, we really, and, and especially in, in my role in the city, um, we've had a lot of turnover recently. Um, in retirements and things of that nature. So I'm also an educator because I am in the process now of really educating those new directors or assistant directors or administrators in what the functionality of the IT department is and how IT needs to be an enabler to their business unit and be a strong business partner to them where... In the past, it may have been that IT kind of drove their processes and the way that they did their business. That's all changing, you know, as we talked about very early in the show, that, um, you know, and it's changing at breakneck speed and, and it's changing daily. So we really have to be a stronger partner in, in helping business units become more successful. And I agree with all of the, I, I agree with Kevin on that too. And also, I mean, you need to have a seat at the table to help. Um, you know, and I am fortunate enough in, at the university. I, I do report to the president, and I sit at the table, so I get involved with a lot of the discussions, planning discussions from an institutional perspective. And I think that's important that the CIOs of the future uh, do get a seat at the table, so they can actually be there at the beginning of the conversation when some of these ideas are being formulated. And when we are looking at all of this, where do you see your team? Because um, one is that you 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 have to wear a, a hat of, a, as you said, Kevin, a person who is visionary and also the execution champion. What kind of changes would you like to make, not in just in terms of number or, or type of people in the overall mindset for them to be ready for what's coming ahead? Because I'm sure the disruption is happening and it, this whole cycle has started a couple of years ago. But there are many more things that are changing at, at a pace which is sometimes unnerving. So maybe, Walter, I come back to you uh, first and, and ask you this question about what do you think should be the capability of your team that you would believe is adequate to be able to uh, run your ship effectively in 2016? Well, I think one of the important things is the ability to communicate. Um, you know, I often tell the joke, what's the difference between an introverted programmer and an extroverted programmer? And the extroverted programmer stares at your shoes. And so we've got to get our technical staff to be communicative in terms of discussing their issues, what their concerns are, how they can help uh, be an active participant in that discussion. Uh, one of the things we've done here at the university is we have a leadership program, and I send uh, it fluctuates between four and eight people uh, every year through a rather rigorous six-month training program 
where they go out to each of the campuses. They get to learn who all the other players are at the university uh, that are involved either with utilizing what they develop or uh, being um, associated with it. So it's to me, communication skills, I think, are critical as we, as we grow the staff. Uh, I also do something called a, called a skills inventory. I track every skill that my people have. I manage that against the work coming in so that the right people are assigned to the right projects with the right skill sets. And then I also know who's on the bench in, in terms of the second team and third team so that it, if one of the first team players is overtaxed or over-resourced, uh, I can bring in a, another player and not lose any step in getting the work done. So in your case, Kevin, are you fundamentally rethinking your, what, what, I, I, what I would rather say here is a capability, a workforce capability in order to be able to do your job? Because I'm sure technologies are changing, the scale, scope, and complexity is changing, and you cannot have the same bodies, yeah, internal or external, do the same. We, we've, yeah, we've run into that, you know, in the, in the not, uh, just not too long ago, because we we did come from a mainframe environment, so we had a lot of people that were, you know, using those older skills, COBOL and, and things of that nature from a mainframe environment. And now we're we're making a transformation in our department to, you know, newest technologies using crowdsourcing and, and um, you know, um, mobile application development, which are very new to us at the city level. So... My team needs to be extremely agile, and they need to be more business-focused than necessarily, um, you know, code-focused so that they can talk to business departments and get those requirements from them if we're going to build an application so that um, we can try to determine the best method to build that application to provide them, you know, all of the functionality that they're looking for and it also has to be, you know, extremely configurable because uh, in today's world, we're changing so fast, we have to build that configuration in. So our, you know, our new talent, and, and not only that, but we're already starting to deal with the millennials who, you know, are not necessarily focused on long-term employment uh, objectives, you know, two to three years might be the maximum time that they're looking for. Uh, and, you know, we're a traditional IT shop, if you will, who most of the people, especially in government, came to government because, you know, they were looking for some stability, maybe, you know, some benefits and things of that nature, which were over the long period. And, and the millennials, from what I've seen, are kind of short-term focused and so we also have to take that into consideration in our hiring practice, in the skill sets that we're looking for, in the, um, in, in the culture, because here in Miami, we do have a very unique culture. We're uh, very diversified in our population, um, so we have a unique culture. And so we have to take all of those things into consideration when we're looking at personnel and um, try to make the right fit that uh, hopefully we can entertain them into staying on, you know, for a longer period. When is to talk about capability in terms of the workforce? Another is the culture. You know, you could put the best people in the room or in a company, but they still may not collectively deliver to the vision and, and to the objectives that have been laid out by the leadership. So, Walter, if you were to define the culture which would best work across organizations in 2016, what would be the tenets? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, there's a tremendous loyalty here to the, not only to the university, but to the state. I have people that are here 35, 40 years uh, a uh, fellow is just retiring this year has been here for 40 years. I mean, there's a love of this place, and there's a work ethic at in Nebraska that I've never seen any place else that I've been. Um, they love this place. And as a consequence, you know, they'll work whatever it takes to get it done. Uh, when I was in New York, uh, I was the CIO at Fordham University in New York, and if I wanted somebody to work overtime, pay me. That was the first thing that came out of their mouth, pay me. Um, I get to Nebraska 
can I help you? Can you give me a page or a cell phone in case you need me? I mean, completely different uh, work ethic that I saw in the two locations. And then there's a, a real dedication. A lot of our uh, staff have been previous students here. They started as student workers, worked their way up, became interns, eventually were hired on. Um, we have one of the lowest, I think, the lowest unemployment rate in the entire country right now. Uh, so that you know, we we don't really have an issue with getting people and keeping people here in Nebraska, which I think really helps us as we go forward because there's this tremendous amount of uh, institutional history of how things operate and how things work. Now, my challenge today is trying to change some of that. And Kevin talked about that earlier about getting rid of silo systems. And we've been doing a lot of work in the area of application rationalization and looking for ways to identify systems that are no longer valuable from the standpoint of they they don't provide the value for the cost. And then looking at incorporating those requirements into our ERP system. So it's a, it's a little bit different uh, situation out here in Nebraska. Now, we are looking at various aspects of a business, uh, which could mean uh, whether we talk, just spoke about the cultural insights and then even when you create the capacity, Kevin, what mm-hmm. about the willingness to change? Because you are, you are trying to make certain things happen. And yes, you can attribute back again to culture, but there is some resistance to anything new. How are you planning to handle that? And you from a city government, you mean, I mean, I'm sure this is not the first time somebody has asked you this question. Yeah, this, this is not the first rodeo for that, that's for sure. And I think we all know that, um, you know, everybody is resistant to change in some way, shape, or form. The good thing, I would say, is that in the last uh, about three years or so, we've had a, a, a major turnover in the city administration. And with that, uh, they have brought a, a new light and willingness to accept more change and that need for change, and that's being driven from the top down, which is a great thing. Um, that's one thing that, that I preach um, to, you know, my team almost every day. You know, if it's, if it's not communication, customer service, it's, you know, change is, is not only here, but it's going to be constant. You know, the only thing constant is change. So we have to embrace that change. We have to be agile so that we can embrace that change. Um, We talk about it a lot, and we work with it a lot. Uh, A lot of our business units are uh, more resistant to change, and therefore we have to kind of uh, coddle them a little bit more and spend a little bit more time with them. And also, you know, making them at ease with the changes that are taking place and letting them know that, you know, their job is not at jeopardy because we're making a change. And, you know, some people see that technology is replacing jobs. Well, I don't think it necessarily replaces jobs, but it certainly um, transitions jobs into new functionality or additional functionality from what someone may have been used to. And what we try to do is embrace that. And we normally try to take on that leadership role of, look, you know, we've done it. Um, We're not going to ask you to do anything that we haven't done. We've tested it. It's been successful. And, um, you know, let us hold your hand. Let's walk down this path together so that we can make, you know, we can both be successful. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Walter, I'd like to have you also share your thoughts on how do you help an organization to become more willing to change at different levels and also maybe perhaps add to it to say how to further the relationships that we may have created over the years with business, with people who are at leadership level as well as business users and not just by the CIO but someone who is also having a water cooler conversation with an IT and a user counterparts. What are you doing to help develop that in order for you to get more done with the same people and have a smoother ride in 2016? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Walter, Kevin did mention about the different ways he would have handled in his organizations how... Uh, to bring about change or at least have the people become more more amenable to change. What's, what's the secret sauce at your end, but then also take uh, a stab at relationship building, which is not only limited to doing that at a leadership level, but across the chain of command within IT. So all people who belong to IT seem to be getting better at building relationship with the business counterpart. Oh, thank you, Sanjay. Let me uh, let me take a stab at that. <clears throat> the the word that keeps coming in the into my head is communication. Uh, you literally have to evangelize. Uh, and we talked about this earlier, the visionary aspect of our job. Uh, but it also has to be backed up by actually producing and developing the things that you said you would produce. One of the things that <clears throat> I think has been successful here is that there, we have a lot of committees at the university. And I spend a lot of time attending those kinds of meetings. So the academic officers, I meet with them. The business leaders, I meet with them. The external affairs people, I meet with them. And so there's a whole series of constituencies that I have to deal with uh, on a regular basis and uh, trying to understand what it is they're trying to do and what they hope to accomplish, and then how can technology play a role in that. Now, from a staff perspective, I spend a lot of time talking to my staff. Uh, I meet with them very regularly, and I talk about the vision and what's happening across the university so that they also can participate and provide input into uh, making things better across the board. Uh, so I think, you know, if there's one key concept that just constantly rings in my head, it's it's communication and collaboration. Uh, we try and do events where we'll have we'll invite the business people to come to our shop and see what we're doing. I take them down through the data center. I show them the kinds of things that we have and and that sort of thing. I work very closely with the state. Um, I think I mentioned I'm a commissioner now on the state level to look at technology across the entire state, not just at the university. And I think sharing all of that with uh, the people that work with you and around you is, is very important, and it helps to set the stage. Now, looking at the delivery platform, right, you know, how you're going to work or deliver services across using your own a platform that you develop or your partner's. So, Kevin, if you were to think about partnerships and partnerships at various levels, whether where the city is partnering with another provider, which is non-IT, or you as a technology delivery arm, which is also partnering with maybe third-party providers, how do you envision that partnership approach to morph or improve in order to meet your objectives better in 2016? Well, we we have formed some some pretty good partners with um, some software uh, companies, some software development companies, and also some hardware companies for certain. And um, you know, I think I I look at those relationships, and just like I look at our internal business relationships, that. We have to really become strong partners with almost anybody that we engage with um, for for IT uh, initiatives because we need to become more of a strategic partner with all of our partners and not be looked at from the administration as a cost center because 
our traditional role has been delivery of services, like we talked about, and a lot of that is seen as a cost center. You know, it's like like having a boat. It's that uh, nice thing that's on the water that you keep throwing money into, um, and we get a little bit out of it, but are we really getting what we're paying into it out of it? So, you know, having very strong relationships and partnerships with uh, any of the companies that we deal with and our internal partners is very um, important to me and important to our department because we like to have, try to form long-term relationships um, and not just single initiatives because once we have a partner that we can trust, uh, then we can start building long-term relationships which are going to make us more efficient. They're going to start saving us money in the long run. And, um, you know, as a government agency, our finances and our budgets are scrutinized extremely carefully by not only the administration, but also by all of the constituents. And when they see a big IT initiative that costs, you know, a half a million dollars, they want to know where each penny goes to um, if they can. And we we want to be able to provide that information to them, and not only that, but also showing the, what the return on that investment happens to be and where we're going to save money or where we're going to be able to provide them, the citizens or the constituents of our elected officials, um, you know, more services um, that are easier for them to use from their tablet or their phone or from a kiosk that's located in the city or something of that nature. Uh, Walter, when you spoke about your first response, and you, you you actually gave your first response, and it had the word security in there. So let's let's revisit it. Now it has been a chronic issue. It has been always discussed. It is on top of people's mind. What would be new, more, or different that you would like to see happen in your organization, and also what your partners do? so that you can be a little more confident about this whole security challenge. Yeah, one of the things we did at the university a couple of years ago, I created a university-wide security council, and we never did that before. And so I got them all in the room together. I got the lawyers involved. I've got the internal auditor involved. I have the business office involved. I've got the ERP owners involved, uh, campus CISOs I hired a university-wide CISO. I got all of I got all of the security officers. They built a great big matrix for me. They identified all the security tools they had to cover what it what type of instances, everything from intrusion protection to antivirus to VPN tools. We we kind of took that whole list and created and said what's the best product of all of these things so that we we all operate with the same tools in the same way with the same methodology. Uh, we went and hired an outside firm to come in and do a complete audit using NIST standards of where we were currently, came up with a work list of things we had to do to fix security at the university. I mean, we're attacked literally thousands of times a day, and, and we only have, you know, they only have to be right once. We have to be right all the time. And so that's why I mentioned earlier that not only do we have the Security Council that's been working and identifying policies and procedures and how we're going to do things, but I got them all involved. I mean, that was one of the key things. They all have to have a piece in the game. They all own part of this. And now we're taking it to the next step, Security Operations Center. I'm working with the state CIO. We're working together on this. I'm working with the educational side of the university from the standpoint of identifying programs that will teach security philosophy, if you will, <clears throat> and then sending students from that program into interns. I've got working with uh, federal agencies helping us, vendors helping us, uh, trying to be the best we can uh, in the area of security because it is literally, uh, it will eat your lunch if you're not careful. Uh, you get a breach anymore, it's reputation management. Uh, and it's not so even so much the cost. It's your reputation is ruined if you're viewed as an organization that, that had a breach. 
So, Kevin, do you think you have been, I mean, of course, any state or city government, they are also, with IoT especially getting introduced, there's going to be a bigger and a higher security risk. Do you have certain uh, plays in motion which would allow you to continue forward with innovation, with growth, with newer facilities and functionality getting introduced for the citizen, while all along thinking with security as a forethought? versus an afterthought or, 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 or losing your sleep over it? Yes, def- definitely. We, um, you know, we have really stepped up our security um, game plan over the last couple of years as well. Um, we've hired additional um, security personnel, and we plan to hire um, a couple more in the next year or two. So... Um, it's it's certainly one of the things that's always on our you know on our list. Um, you know, anonymous has been huge, especially in the governmental um, arena and space, in trying to hack into our systems. Uh, we have yeah you know sixty seventy thousand attempts a day to for people trying to to uh, do stuff to our systems. So we. Uh, but we also have to think about, you know, that it is what is too much and what is enough because you can you can always lock down, you know, way too much and take away the operational efficiencies and the capabilities, uh, and especially in a, in an agency like ours where we deal with uh, you know citizens on a daily basis, um, we have to really be able to toe that line uh, as to where we need the security and where it's too much in order to provide, you know, excellent services and timely, uh, timely capabilities and things of that nature. So it's certainly on, on our forefront of our, of our idea, you know, thoughts and ideas, and we are continuously um, making adjustments and improvements in, in not only uh, within the IT team, but we're also pulling in our risk department from the city. We pull in, um, you know, our police department and their capabilities. We also uh, use some of our other city um, agencies that um, are a little bit more prone, let's say, and try to do a lot of awareness training as well. And and with that, we also uh, do continuous um, employee workshops and things of that nature around security, not only security in the workplace and, you know, around your your computer or your workstation, uh, your data and things of that nature, but also we, we talk a lot about home security um, because we think that if it starts at home, then it'll resonate out to the workplace and it'll make a more, you know, more rounded, more secure area. Now, one is that the role of CIO itself is multifaceted, and uh, Walter, I'm sure you wear a lot of different hats, but do you think in order for you to do justice to the time that you allocate or the way you split your brain, would you rather have other complementary roles get created, which could mean chief digital officer or chief uh, integration officer? You know, many such officers' roles have been popping up. But in 2016 and beyond, do you think, is it better to divide and conquer versus trying to be the one-man army? I I tend to agree with you, Sanjay. I I do think that things are getting to the point that we, you know, there literally is too many activities going on to devote a lot of time to any particular one. And, And we're seeing at the university the need to really do a lot more in the area of big data. You know, we've got years of history of our students and and we want to know what's worked in the past and what hasn't worked in the past, and what are the, what's all that data telling us about our students and our, our and the courses that we provide. Uh, so, I think in the area of uh, chief data officer or uh, something along that line, that that makes perfect sense. We do have a position like that now, although it's not titled that way. It's our director of uh, Inf- uh, institutional research. But I think that whole area is getting elevated in terms of importance. Uh, we already have a number of, I'll call them skunk works teams that are working on uh, trying all different kinds of new technologies to 
garner the most information we can from the from the data we have. So um, I tend to agree with you. Uh, we we also have a chief technology officer who works at our medical center uh, because that whole field is exploding uh, even faster than some of the other areas at the university. So I tend to agree with you. I think it's appropriate. If you were to take Kevin, your um, whole ecosystem of partners, employees, your own workers. Would you fundamentally rethink or would you think there are some incremental tweaks needed? Because we are seeing disruption in the outside marketplace in the way people have been consuming services or your customers may be demanding what they're demanding. Any fundamental shifts that you would like to make or what you suggest others also consider? Yeah, I think, I mean, we we have to constantly be looking at those changes and and we have to be agile and and be ready to make changes. So internally I would say yes, we we have to consistently look at a our workforce, b our the titles and the and the responsibilities that we put in our in the titles of our positions because they, you know, even the positions responsibilities change. You know, in, in the old days, you might have had a senior programmer. Well, today, that person is not necessarily a senior programmer. They may have a totally different job title because they're doing, uh, you know, new technologies that are in the marketplace and changing technologies. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can see, you know, everybody from, from myself as the CIO, our, our hats are changing as we talked about throughout the, the whole show today. You know, they change consistently and daily. So we have to be able to switch those hats, um, and, and be very agile. Uh, and, and we have huge demands from, you know, our citizens and from the constituents on what they want to see and how quickly they want to see Things. So even if we, you know, are thinking about projects that need to be done um, internally, certainly our our um, citizens are creating projects for us from the external pressures, and so we have to take those into consideration and be ready, willing, and able to, you know, to kind of juggle those projects and make sure that all of them can happen. So definitely, I can see big changes in constant changes. 30 seconds and say 10 words or less or three words, Walter, that you would like to share for the CIOs who may be listening or the people who are in leadership position that they should bear in mind as they go into 2016, which would help them become more successful. Uh, The best way I can do that is to say you have to let the business unit or the unit you're supporting win. They have to be perceived as the winners. You're the support organization. You're helping them. And so always keep them in the forefront. Make it their project, and you're helping them achieve their goals. And as long as you do that, I think you'll be successful. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Kevin and Walter, for sharing your thoughts on what's on your mind and what the leader should keep in mind about the 2016 CIO Agenda. Thank you so much. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CIO Talk Network. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.